Hello and welcome back to Theology Happens, where we talk theology and how it applies to our lives. Uh, I'm Rob Schutz, and this is episode number four. So on today's episode, I wanted to talk about abortion. Um, mainly, well, I'll be blunt. Abortion is murder. Simply put, um, I believe that's quite clear. Uh, as an understanding, as a principle, and so um, I want to just get right into it and and talk about how abortion is murder, and since it's murder, how we as Christians should look at it and and try to handle it. So, um, firstly, and, and namely, we we need to rely on Scripture. Um, scripture should be our obvious. Um, standard for all things that we talk about. Um, abortion is no different, um, despite the fact that um, in many circles we try to politicize this issue. Uh, it is definitely a very moral issue, and we need to deal with it as such. And so um, let's look at Scripture. What does the Bible say about abortion? So if you were to go to your favorite um, Bible, electronic Bible, whether that's a website online or an app, and just search the word abortion, you would find that the word abortion shows up in Scripture a whopping zero times. <laughs> and, I can, and I can hear some people going, yeah, see, I told you so. Well, that's because it's just that particular word. Abortion isn't in Scripture, but there's plenty of words, plenty of concepts uh, that are either developed uh, after the time of the writing of scripture or just words that um, didn't ex weren't used in that same way and so abortion um, definitely obviously in our culture today has a very clear meaning um, but there wasn't an, an ancient equivalent and I think that's begin because again they were they would call it murder they would have called it murder so they didn't need to specify it with a different term uh, and I, and I can make that claim because I think, as we look through Scripture, we will will become quite clear. So we're saying abortion is murder. So therefore, we need to sort of define murder, and we need to define personhood because those two uh, ideas need to be fully explained and fully uh, understood in order to make this claim, right? So <clears throat> first of all, let's go to the very beginning, Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter 1 starts off, right, with the whole creation story, the narrative of how God created. And near the end of, of chapter 1, we get the unique creation of man and woman. We get uh, a concept that, uh, a doctrine that, if you will, that uh, is formed called the Imago Dei, or made in the image of God. Imago Dei, image of God. And we see that man, that mankind, man and woman, is created in the image of God, that there is a distinction, a uniqueness to um, man and woman apart from the rest of creation. Uh, that's seen so clearly in that, in that narrative when all the animals are brought before Adam. Uh, this is before the creation of Eve, and all the atoms, or excuse me, animals are brought before Adam, and he names them and starts to notice a trend that they have a female counterpart, and he does not 
And so we see that there's this distinction because God has given authority, he's given dominion. Uh, when you just look out into creation, right? <laughs> Humans do things that no other creature does. Uh, rational thought, philosophy, uh, creating art, uh, creating technology, these different things. Um, it sets us apart. We're clearly, uniquely in um, distinct from the rest of creation. Uh, God even gives us dominion over creation and so on. So, so that's first importance that man is unique uh, because you don't, we don't criticize other animals for killing their own, right? Like if a within like different prides of lions or um, whatever the species, right? Or their different herds or whatever their grouping is called. If there's, if they were to kill one of their own, that's generally not frowned upon. Like we don't, we don't think that's a travesty. If a competing male lion uh, trying to win the mating rights of a particular female or group of females, right? That kills them. Like we don't think that's weird. That's, normative but yet if a man walks up in cold blood for no good reason and kills another man that's a heinous crime because we see that there's distinction right and even even as the genesis story continues what is really sort of the first uh, sin apart from the first sin the fall but post fall what is the first major sin we see we see the murder um of cain or between cain and abel and we see that narrative play out and uh, again that as a direct result of the fall we eventually get to murder and so we see that play out but then it's as clear as it can be defined in genesis chapter 20 right after the freeing of the israelites from captivity god gives them the law and one of the laws uh, in the ten commandments thou shalt not murder or you shall not murder some will try to argue that says kill, but no, the more accurate, more uh, under, better understanding of that word is murder, clearly murder. And so what's great about Genesis, and as I've mentioned when we talked about law in the last couple of videos, God gives us um, case law. He gives us examples of the law, how it plays out, what it looks like. And so we actually can see the distinction between murder and capital punishment, right? Because we do see that there are times for capital punishment in scripture. And so we have to be able to make that distinction. Murder then is when someone is killed for no reason. There's no uh, law that they've broken. There's no uh, evil that they've done. There's nothing that they've done wrong. So it's basically the taking of the life of an innocent person. Now, again, I think this is probably pretty basic, pretty elementary, but just for this argument, when we talk about abortion, we need to be very clear about what we're talking about when we say abortion is murder. And so that's why I'm spending so much time talking about this, just in case we need just a little bit more clarity. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6 verses 16 through 19 says this, it says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that dis, uh, devises wicked plans, 
feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and who sows discord among the brethren. And so what do we see there? We see the hands that shed innocent blood and a heart that devises wicked plans. Those are two key components when we're talking about abortion. Uh, because there's innocent shed being blood, or excuse me, innocent blood being shed, I can say that right, um, as well as a heart that devises wicked plans. And I will back that up here in a moment. And so, but just taking the scripture at its face value, it's clear and evident that this is an abomination. This is something God loathes that these things that were just listed are things that God does not take lightly. It's an abomination. It's a sin against him. It is not right. And so when we think about the innocence of the unborn, I mean, who is more innocent than the unborn? How, how could the unborn commit a crime? Right? This is so clear. Logically, just understanding, like, obviously, they're in the womb. They can't, they can't do anything that would justify uh, their life being taken in, a, in any sort of capital punishment way. And so to then take their life is clearly murder. But if you recall, I also made a distinction or made sure that I pointed out the fact that in that proverb, it says the heart that devises wicked plans. Now, I, I want to talk about that just in a moment because, again, what... What must someone do to have an abortion? They have to plan it. They have to consider it, um, whether Planned Parenthood or some other uh, abortion clinic or uh, hospital that um, practices abortion, whatever the case may be, that's something that you schedule. It's something that you um, make sure you have, you know, make sure that the procedure can be done. So, the, so you are devising a wicked plan, even in that case. And so again, like within just that proverb, those two major things, you're shedding innocent blood and devising a wicked plan. This is clearly something that is not good. This is clearly murder. This is clearly a heinous act. Abortion is not justifiable. Now, <clears throat> Just for, again, definitional sake, something that we need to understand, something that we need to address uh, briefly uh, when we talk about this is, uh, it's a poor argument, but nevertheless, it's an argument that gets brought up. And the argument is that, uh, who's to say that what is in the womb is a human, right? Whether it's the really old, um, scientifically unverifiable concept of, oh, it's just a, a clump of cells um, or whatever that may be. It's potential human life, I believe, is, is how uh, Roe v. Wade um, got around this issue, uh, that, it, that <laughs> it's not human life, it's potential human life. And so that's where they could get uh, introduce abortion into um, the Supreme Court decision. But at any rate, those aren't our standards. Uh, our standard isn't uh, the argument of, of scientists, um, even though I do believe there's a strong argument to be made based on science, uh, nor is our argument based on what uh, the Supreme Court decides. No, our argument needs, again, come from Scripture. And so we have three clear-cut examples um, of God 
creating and knowing someone in the womb. Uh, in Job, there's a reference to this that not only um, Job, but all people God knew, created, formed in their mother's womb. Uh, Jeremiah also uh, clearly states that uh, in the womb, God knew and uh, purposed the plan for Jeremiah's life. And then even in the Psalms, we get a reference to that as well. And so clearly, uh, if God is going to talk this way, because uh, again, Scripture is God breathe. It's the word of God. God is defining human life beginning in the womb, existing in the womb, that, that the unborn person is not potential life or is not um, some sort of subcategory of human. No, it is human. It is a person. And as we've already dis explained in uh, definitionally from uh, Genesis chapter one, that means they're made in the image of God. That means they are uniquely human. That means they're uniquely um, within what a human is and what um, that means. And so that means they have the right to life. They have the dignity of life. They have intrinsic value because they are um Because they are human, uh, because that's what God has deemed. And so just unpacking this core point, that's, that's the reality of what's going on when we talk about abortion. When someone has an abortion, they're willfully, knowingly um, choosing to kill or murder their own child. Now, that leads us to then go, okay, well, then what do we do? How how do we respond to this? Because uh, I think the, the, the most clear no-brainer um, idea is, well, no Christian should have an abortion, right? Like, that's just, that hopefully it would go without saying, uh, but nevertheless, like, that's just the reality, right? But then what, how do we then move forward? Excuse me, knowing that it's, that's taking place, that it's going on. Well, I think that's where we have to, as Christians know our context, know what we are allowed to do under the, the laws of our, our country, whatever we might be able to do. Um, but, um, as an American citizen, as someone living in the United States, like we have the ability to protest. We have the ability to go and speak publicly on public spaces. I'm not saying that we should burst into Planned Parenthood buildings and offices or um, hospitals that do this procedure or whatever the case may be. I'm not saying we should just bust in, but we can go out front. We can go outside of them, speak the truth, um, proclaim that what these people are doing is murdering the unborn, murdering, murdering the, the most innocent among us, and um, therefore rebelling and sinning against our Lord. And so they need to repent and uh, come to a place of repentance and, and would challenge them with the gospel, I would hope, as well, because we don't want to just say, what you're doing is wicked and evil. 
and there's no hope for you because that's obviously wrong. Um, we know that God can change the hearts of any. And so um, we preach the gospel to to all people. And so that's that would be, I think, a great starting point um, just to proclaim the truth in hope that God will turn hearts in uh, in in that doing. In fact, um, there are ministries that do this around the country, around the world, uh, who go out and and speak to um, speak at uh, the abortion mills and 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 try to stop this murder, try to stop the murder of the unborn people. And um, again, each one sort of has some different resources and have just different abilities to do so. Um, I know that um, some churches that are behind this have adopted many of these children that would have been uh, murdered, that would have been uh, killed by their parents. Uh, and so they've been able to adopt them and raise them. And, and so they're, they're prevented from um, seeing, seeing death and then instead getting a, a home where they're going to be loved and, and cared for. And so that would be ideal. I think that'd be a great thing to do uh, for us as a starting point uh, for all Christians to just go speak the truth at these places, um, surround it in prayer, surround it in the truth, and oh, just pray to God that he would change hearts so that this murder wouldn't take place. Uh, secondly, I think equally important, we should be talking to our local Congress men and women, our local um, city councils, if we have that access to or, or the ability to uh, to ask them um, to repent as well. Uh, to challenge them, to speak to them and say, hey, what you're doing here is wrong, especially if it's in your home city. Um, I've, I have tried to see if it's happening in my home city. Um, I can't confirm that it is. Um, so it's something that I couldn't do uh, directly going to my city council, but at least uh, a state level in the state I live in, California. I don't know the odds of really overturning that, but hey, God can do miracles, so maybe he could work that too. But nevertheless, we do have the ability to um, talk to um, our our local uh, authorities, our local uh, leaders to to try to outlaw abortion in our city or com or um, county, state, um, and then obviously ideally nation and, and globally would be um, the ideal. But again, I think it needs to start in the local um, context. We can't um, assume that we can just go from the top and, and push it down. And I and I think we can really take this is going to sound uh, this is going to sound really weird. So just bear with me in case you. Um, don't follow, but just trust me, this makes this will make sense. Um, we, I think we need to take a, a play out of the um, pro marijuana playbook and the pro recreational drug use playbook, really, um, as those laws have changed because federally those are all um, illegal. Marijuana recreational drug use is federally illegal. Yet states recognize that there is time where they can say hey no we are in charge of our state 
we have dominion over our state and so we can contradict you if we think that you're doing something unjust and so they have so many states um, have passed laws to allow and legalize recreational drug use not even just decriminalize it but legalize it to the point where it's completely legal it's on the same par as you know any you know <laughs> drinking or you know or even just you know um something that's not a vice that i can't think of off the top of my head i don't know something that's legal um but anyways um the point being is that they've they've recategorized it and they they've done that so taking our play potentially from from them why couldn't we do the same thing in certain in states that maybe are more conservative or more willing to um challenge the the status quo of roe v wade and and the, the national narrative and say hey no this is wrong this is wicked this is murder we aren't going to allow it in our county and starting a county level that pushes into you know the state and again hopefully if then eventually all 50 states go hey this is all murder let's outlaw it as a as a nation and then we go praise the lord and so i think that's a perfectly reasonable response uh to what we should should do now Well, I guess I'll share this. This is actually happening. Um, <clears throat> there are actually many different uh, anti-abortion organizations. Um, they actually typically use the term abolitionists, uh, again, borrowing from the, the history of the church and from Christians uh, in the 1800s that wanted to abolish slavery taking that again the same term um, and wanting to abolish abortion in the same way and so we I, I do think that we as Christians should be fighting that battle we should be trying to put an end to this both on an excuse me on an individual basis where we meet people where they're at we go to the abortion clinics and we try to engage in loving truthful conversations and and preach the truth um, again in love but also that we should be going to um, and fight this legally uh, while we have the opportunity to do so uh, because that's i think going to hopefully bring change and and like i was saying there are groups doing this there are uh, many organizations there's a red state reform that is working to abolish abortion across the state they've actually helped introduce bills in several states uh the first back i want to say february or so was arizona introduced a bill uh, to make abortion illegal uh, to classify it as murder in the state of arizona uh, then there, uh, Texas has just recently done it. Oklahoma has introduced the bill. Um, I believe South Carolina is uh, soon to introduce a bill as well. Um, so there, there are many states that are doing this. Uh, they have congressmen and women who are supporting these bills, who have written these bills and have introduced them or are planning to introduce them soon to their state congresses. 
And so I think we need this. I think this is a, a travesty that, that is happening in our nation and we need to put it to an end. Uh, and so I pray that that other Christians will see this for what it is and not have more of the passive idea. Well, you know, it, I'd never do it, but, you know, who am I to take away someone's rights or whatever? Because the the pro-abortion movement is really good at language. They're very good at choosing language that that sounds peaceable, that sounds good. Um, in fact, I, I've written, <laughs> I wrote an, an article, a blog uh, on this very thing that there was a movie not that long ago came out called Unpregnant, as if, you know, it's just a switch, you know, like, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, I'm unpregnant now. I'm not pregnant. You know, like, just like as if nothing happened to to cause that, as if the child wasn't, you know, either murdered or died of, you know, some sort of natural miscarriage um, along the way. And so, so they're great at that. I mean, even their whole movement is pro, the whole pro-choice movement. Well, who doesn't like choice? We, you know, especially as Americans, we think choice is great. And so they say, well, we're pro-choice. We want women to choose. Um, well, sure, I I agree. I do want women to choose. Either to keep the baby, put the baby up for adoption, or not end up in a situation where they have an unwanted child. Uh, so not have sex, basically. <laughs> Sorry to be that blunt, but there it is. Um, so yeah, sure, I'm I'm for choice. The only choice I'm not for is for them actually murdering because I don't think that's a moral choice. Uh, I don't think we would ever justify saying, oh, well, so-and-so chose to murder this other person, so that's cool because, you know, I'm pro their choice to murder someone. Like, no, that's utterly ridiculous. So at least I, I think most people would agree with that. We haven't gotten so... Um, subjective in our morality that people would go oh yeah no murder's cool in some cases so anyways well anyways i know this is a this is a tall order uh, i know this is a, a task that um is not something easy and it could be terrifying and frightening and i've been wrestling with myself how to organize this locally here in in my home area um because it is terrifying it is uh, scary but at the same time what's more important speaking truth and fighting for true justice um fighting for truth, fighting for the preservation of life? Or is it better to just be comfortable and not rock the boat? Obviously, as a Christian, we are called to do difficult things. We are called to do hard things. And so I'm not saying that there's an easy solution to this. I'm not saying that it isn't going to be difficult. I'm not saying that it isn't going to necessarily um, make people hate us. Those are all very real possibilities. But I also believe that God is very clear that he wants our lives to be a life that is surrendered, a life that is 
doing what he calls us to do. And so if we can theologically understand how abortion is murder, uh, then we should theologically do happen um, to try to um, bring an end to it however we can. So, again, um, if you're one of the people that I know personally uh, listening and, and you want to get involved, um, let's talk. Um, if you are not local, I highly encourage you to talk to your pastor, talk to um, the elders of your church, and uh, say, hey, how can we do this? Um, there's some great resources that uh, I'd be happy to help point you to um, in the future if you have any questions. So, um, you know, reach out or, or whatever, and I'll see what I can do to help uh, you too as you try to figure this out, how your local church can get involved. And um, so, anyways, abortion is clearly murder. It's heinous. It's evil. And we as the church... We need to be doing something to um, to stop it. And I think, again, it begins with us just engaging the people around us, uh, but then also trying to get our uh, local politics involved. So thank you for your time. I appreciate you listening. And um, may God just use you and move you how he sees fit. Thanks. God bless.